Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and... He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the team, and we are the Books Boys. The world. And only. There we go. I was waiting for it. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? <laughs> Buy it? Books. Books. Now, I'm accompanied mm. by little Alfred. PJ's in a Italian wilderness accompanied by some crickets, um, which we may hear from time to time. <laughs> it, we are sponsored today by Crickets Love <laughs> Billy Shakespeare. And so, it's just, uh, yes, in Italy. Unfortunately, that, so we'll that might find ourselves be uh, in, something but, today. <laughs> We find ourselves in unusual circumstances. I am battling the, uh, the sounds of lovely crickets, uh, screaming kids in a summer camp, and uh, the unusual, almost Gabriel Garcia Marcus-esque heat that is in Italy right now. In other words, I'm in a summer camp, and it's a bit difficult to us, but of course, we had to do it, Dean and I. We put our heads to it, like Churchill and Stalin and co., and we, we used our powers for better reasons than them to create this beautiful castle for you that's it we're gonna, and, we're gonna fact, do our best in fact we, we we put so much effort into it that we, we we actually talked about exactly two hours yesterday as if it were a little prequel yeah, for we did. <laughs> extra ready for you we could have just recorded that but no we had to do it now that's we fine. had to warm up the, um, the vocal cards you know <laughs> two hours. exactly yes exactly um, so then, how has the how has the books month of June been for you? The, the, I and mean, I've read a lot of books, which we'll get to. The month's been crazy because I I went to a lot of concerts. I went to see sh- everything from Shwadi Wadi to Iron Maiden, and then I went to Madrid and I visited a whole. I saw Lost El Rio. I did the Macarena on a fake beach in a car park in Madrid with the actual band from the song, and I saw a whole load of Spanish nice. bands from the nineties, and I got overheated at forty degrees and, and then- uh, crazy stuff. So. Oh, it's, it's, it's really hot here. Um, just so you listeners, you might be confused. I, I am living in Dresden, but I'm just here for a month working in the summer camp. And it's very nice, but it is extremely hot. And, yeah. Um, so it, it's sweaty books, boys. That's, so it's that's crazy new, because uh, you've, you've moved to Germany maybe. and now to Italy. Um, our Playboys co-host, Alex, has gone to America. Robert from the Dark Place Dreamers show on our Patreon, he's just moved to um, London Mireya that I've done some poetry pals and some Lorca plays with, she's just moved back to Spain. I'm the only person stuck here in flipping Northern Ireland, you know? <laughs> but to be fair, I did uh, I did visit Spain for a couple of days and I'm going back um, for, for a week and a half in July for some more concerts. Um, 
and tour around a few different cities. So that'd be nice. So PJ, I think I, th- I think PJ that I found out what what books are. I, someone gave me a definition that it was a long rectangular object, um, hard on both sides. Mm. In the middle, it had leaf like things that you could flip. You could flip these little square leaf like things, and they would have pictures okay. or words on them. So I thought I had a book, and I think I've got one here. And it says on the front, yeah. photo album. Is this is this the right thing? Um, well, does it tell a story? Uh, like, you know, is it is it written by someone that it win a Nobel Prize? No, no, it's it's just got photo album on the front and then just pictures. There's no other text, so the pictures uh, tell a very it, jumbled story. I think it might be Haruki Murakami's latest postmodern right. uh, novel, where he doesn't write his name on it. You know, I mean, it, you know, it could be. I, I, I'm not sure. It could I, be. I'm not sure. I mean, it's very confusing. I'm still so, looking through the bathroom section, uh, toilet roads, and trying to understand if it's Shakespeare or or Wilkie Collins I'm reading yeah. it, it's difficult uh, oh, the reading is difficult you mentioned our good old friend uh, Dickens deputy oh I've got something, something to say about him in a, in a second um, but uh, I, just I, I can I can already guess that you have nothing bad to say about not Wilkie not Collins a not all. a bad word to say but I'm, I'm just going to say up front you know we're <laughs> we're doing the show under technical difficulties today so if there's background noise or we've got to do a lot of editing yeah. if the show's a bit shorter than usual we're doing our we're doing our best uh chaps and but we're doing pets. it we're doing it for the kids we're doing it for the kids we want to do this get it so yeah buy it books I don't know why oh, I said that. Oh, That's yeah, actually sorry, not helpful. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the first the first book I read was a Wilkie Collins book called Armadale. Um, it's Ooh. considered his fourth great novel after The Moonstone, The Woman in White, and No Name. Um, no Name, which Indeed. we reviewed and before. You've read, the, you've read them all now, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I've read the, 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 the four greats anyway, yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing about Armadale, right? I mean, it's it's very long. It's like 700 pages of very small text, margin to wow, margin. Okay. I, I think in like a normal size paperback, this would be over a thousand pages. Okay, it's very, well, it's very I thought long. I was reading. I thought I was reading a long book. And just to give some uh, clarity for your listeners, if you don't remember, as you said, Dean Wilkie Collins is Dickens' well friend, but also kind of like his almost almost student. He even co-wrote with Dickens some plays and, and stories. Yeah, and and supposedly he, he imitates up to some extent his master style, right? At least at the beginning. I mean, yeah, he, he, he is distinct, but similar, you know? Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. Dickens' deputy, good old Wilkie Collins. Um, and this book's <laughs> called Armadale, okay? So it's about a chap, Alan Armadale, and it's also about a second chap, Alan Armadale. So <laughs> what happens is, I mean, there's a lot of preamble at the beginning that isn't really that important, but basically, there's an there's a, a doctor, a guy, a guy arrives at this town and he needs a doctor and he asks, you know, I want to sign my my will. And he has to just dictate this letter in secret and his wife isn't allowed to hear the letter. And they, they bring in a guy to be a witness and the guy is really, um, really harsh with them. And they say, oh, you know, will you, will you, do you mind if the lady leaves the room? Will you excuse me? And he says things like, no, sir, I will not excuse you. What right have I given to you to think me wanting in gentleness and consideration towards anyone you know i do not need to excuse you so there's a lot of this victorian uh, yeah. <laughs> you know not nonsense which i i love so i'm loving Good the book from the beginning <laughs> nice nice and but basically wow. what happens is this guy's um there's a there's a quick story about the father basically in order to to kind of um, screw someone out of their inheritance they give they adopt someone else and now there's two people called alan armadale and, and there's a kind of revenge thing they're not really important mm-hmm. what's important is the children 
who both take on their name and are also both Alan Armadale. So it's the it's the children's it story me, that we're looking at. It reminds me of a hundred years of hundred years of solitude by Marcus because that's what he does. He uses two well. At the end, even three names, I think, that continuously kind of repeat and then they kind of reflect back on the ancestors. Yeah. Just a little side note, yeah. There's a bit cool. with, the, with the dads, like they go to get married and then the wrong one gets married and he's like, ha ha, I've stolen your wife because I have the same name as you. And, oh, you know, you've stolen my inheritance, but I've stolen your wife and all this kind of stuff, you know. And doesn't Wookiee Collins talk a lot about inheritance and also like kind of like uh, the errors of inheritance and like things going wrong and yeah. children left. That's this entire book, like, basically. Yeah, yeah. So Talks a lot about that. This one, Alan Armadale, takes on a different name because he's like he doesn't want that name, and he calls himself Ozias Midwinter. Um, and he, nice he had a rough upbringing, and he was like living out in the you know in the streets and living out in the countryside with this old guy who would make him work, and he would give him some food, but he would also beat him and beat the dogs as well. And it's you know it's kind mm. of a sad upbringing. And then there's the posh Alan Armadale who's living with his mum and a, and a teacher called Mister Brock. And they just have a nice time. And he's like, you know, he's just this country squire, you know, he's this nice gentleman. He goes around, he's been nice to everyone. And he thinks, you know, life is just roses, you know, and his mum dies and he's sad. And then they say, oh, by the way, you just inherited like this big house. So off you go. And he's like, well, there's people living in that house. So I'll give them a few months to get their things in order. Like, it's no, it's nothing to me. I'm not in any hurry for the money. I'm not in any hurry for the house. You know, I'm just a grand old chap having a good time in life, you know? And it just so happens that who turns up in the town but Ozias Midwinter, the other Alan Armadale. And on the mother's deathbed, she said, there's this kind of curse, never let him meet his namesake. That's the the theme of the book, never let them meet. And Mr. Brock tries to stop the meeting. But of course, they meet. And they become the best of friends, fast friends, and off oh. they go. No one's ever been friends with Ozias before. He's had a really hard yeah, Hold on, do they, do, they, do they know that they've got the same name? Or no, not really. The I real mean, Alan Armadale... I mean, one of them knows. One of them knows. Yeah. Ozias Midwinter knows. So you're, you originally of think, course, yeah. you think, okay, he's the bad guy here. He's going to try to, um, you know, they're trying to keep them apart. It's not going to work. He's going to be after the inheritance yeah. and everything. No, they're both just great guys. Okay, And he says, I don't want him to know because he's going to be scared of me and I want to protect his interests and I'm going to be his best friend. And when he goes to the house, I'll work for him as his steward and we'll all be happy together. And he, he okay. confesses it all to Mr. Brock. <laughs> I want to let you know, you know, I, I'm not keeping any secrets. I'm going to tell you, but I don't think we should tell Alan and Mr. Brock agrees. And that's it. They're going to be best friends and he's going to work for him. And he, there's no villainy at all. I mean, it almost sounds PG Woodhousey now, but I mean, I can't be just, oh, happy glory. This is Victorian realism. Well, exactly. So something so happens. Ozias is afraid of the curse. And there's these dreams and oh. visions that they have of like the statue falls over and then one of them, you know, he loses his money and dies and all this kind of stuff. So he's, he's terrified of these visions. Hmm. And Mr. Brock keeps saying like these visions, these dreams, they're not Christian. Just forget about them, you know? Um, but there is, there, is a, there is a villain in the book. There's a Miss Gwilt. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pretty lady on the um, estate. She works, She lives in the kind of outhouse, um, the outhouse like the servants kind of, uh, the lodge keepers quarters or whatever, something, you know, on the grounds. And, um, and Alan Armadale likes, likes her and he wants to get with her. Um, and that's, oh. that's fine. Except her teacher or governess is actually this girl mm-hmm. called Miss Gwilt. And Miss Gwilt knows all about the Alan Armadales and things like mm. that. And she's the villain of the piece. The, the plot thickens. Yeah. So she's trying to convince Alan to marry her 
for money because she was the servant of the mother of the original Alan from the previous generation. And there's all these tie-ins, right? right. So she, right, right, right. she wants the money. Um, and in, I mean, it, it, slight spoiler, but in the end, um, actually, I'm going to say oh, this. Oh, oh. It's, it's not, it's, I'm not going to say anything that happens in the last quarter of the book. So any spoilers I give will only be like up to the mid kind of point anyway. Okay. But it's a very okay. long book. So I have to say something. She ends up marrying the wrong one again. Um, because he can't put his IS midwinter on the on the wedding papers. He has to put his real name, which is Alan Armadale. All right. Yeah, and then yeah. she says, well, I can lose him in another country, go back home, kill the other one, and pretend to be his widow with the, either with the marriage oh, okay. to prove it. So so she well, becomes a murderess. Overlord, okay. Or at Governess least, at least she, she plans to become a murderess. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that oh. that all works out. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the plot thickens and thickens and thickens. Um but it's brilliant. Now it sounds and, very dark. Yeah. I love the guy that, because the Alan Armadale, they, they say to him things like, you know, it's really difficult managing a house and managing your servants and all this kind of stuff. So he, he, he meets the servant girl and he says, everyone says it's very difficult to manage servants. I find it very easy. And it turns out, what, here's what he says to her. You shall stop here. Don't be afraid. You'll be a good girl, Susan. You'll wear smart little caps and aprons and bright ribbons and you'll look <laughs> nice and pretty and dust the furniture. Off you go. And it's not easy. <laughs> oh, no. Handling servants is, is very easy. You just tell them to look pretty and get a duster. And, uh, you know. Eat. And, I, and, I, and I've got a question. Do Dickens and Collins, like, do they, um, is that a kind of a criticism of, of the machismo of the era? Or do you think it generally just Dickens and Woodcombs didn't realize that, you know, despite their virtues, they still have the flaw of being natural mm. man? I don't know. I think Dickens is maybe a little bit more conscious sometimes than Wilkie Collins. I think Wilkie Collins wrote okay. this thinking this is just a nice guy. I don't. I don't think he was making a social commentary <laughs> on that. Okay, you know? but he, he is a product. He's a, he's a product of his time, so he can't really judge. Nowadays, would be shocked. But like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays would be shocked. Like a great, sometimes when I hear about these Victorian novels, I think, right, are they just drinking teacups all day? Sorry, sometimes, sometimes. But I do like the sound of this novel. It was all twist and yeah. even. I, I mean, like the beginning. It's it sounds funny, and then it sounds dark. I there's like other the twists. There's Mother Oldershaw who runs a criminal kind oh. of syndicate, and she's in telling Miss Gwilt what to do because she was her money. And there's a guy who loves Miss Gwilt, even though he knows she doesn't love him back, and she wants to marry someone else. And he says, you know, even if I, I want to do anything I can for her, even if I'm going to die within 24 hours, like he's just so in love, he doesn't care. You know, he's Mercy. completely sacrificed her. There's a bit where there's a doc, there's a dodgy doctor. They end up locked in an insane asylum at one night. Like the, they're in another, uh, they go to like Italy or to some other country at one point. Like the, the plot, the plot goes everywhere, you know. So it doesn't follow the Anna Karenina method. It generally is. It, it, it's not an accoutrement in a short story. It's, it's generally. The, it's a long story. <laughs> okay, it's a long story. <laughs> oh Lord. It's a long oh, story, and none of it, none of it is wasted. But you, you actually end up liking most of the... Now, the only thing is the style is weird. It starts with narration. Oh. Then it turns into letters, epistolary. Then it turns into okay, Miss, yeah. Miss Gwill's diary for about 50% oh. of it. And then it changes back. Oh, so we, Wilkie Collins does this where he does, you know, puts in letters and diary extracts and it's all over the place. But the story is flipping fantastic. Oh, I like that. That sounds, sounds, sounds like postmodern. I wouldn't expect that of, um, of that era. Yeah. I've actually thought of a question we could ask each other for, for books, boys. And it's generally um, because we talk about the plots and what we love and all that. But if someone asks us, why should I read this book? One reason. I mean, why would you read this book? Can you give me one reason 
that you've got many reasons, but what's the main reason? One should definitely right. read this book. I'll tell you why. So because despite its length, it goes quickly. I was addicted to it and it's fun and the characters are so likable. Obviously, yes, there is a villain, but the main characters are, you know, you, you completely swerved because you think the Alan Armadales are going to be opposed to each other yeah. and they're not. They're just both yeah, great yeah. guys and it's nice. It made me happy. Wow, nice. Okay. Okay. That, you, you sold me in this one. Good. Despite its length. Yeah. So the, the next book then I'll get to real quick. I'm going to do this one quickly because I think that myself, oh, yourself, Alfred, the listeners, everyone is sick of hearing about Balzac. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I was just about to say, take your time, but I'm not sure if, if necessary, we need to get into this for Alzac. No, I'm going to be Balzac, quick uh, with more. these because I'm just, I'm so done. And I looked at this last Balzac. Bit, bit, bit to, bit to the, about, uh, you know, there's several Balzac societies around the world. I just want to say that we do love the chap, but like we have gone a bit. We have. Uh, I've read way too much. I don't know maybe. how this happened. I just took a whole load of them from the library and I just thought, goodness, I know there's what, way well, too he's, many. He's got a big selection. He's got a big selection of books. I mean, few people have, have written as much as Balzac. Yeah. And this is what happens when you just stay in bed all night uh, writing. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, exchange. <laughs> he, got, he died pretty young. I mean, that's. I'm not sure if I want to exchange writing a lot for dying young. No. So. So, so this, yeah. this book anyway. is called The History of the Thirteen, and it's about 400 pages, and it's split in two. So it's actually two 200-page short novels, okay? Mm, and yeah. I'll just spend two minutes on each. There's really no need to go into them. But the first one is and called... of course, part, yeah. of the, part of the human comedy. Yes, course, right? of course. So the first one is Chief of the Deverance. Uh, it's this chap, mm. Fer- Fergus. Um, but it has some nice quotes in it. I'm going to start with the quote. It's not integral to the plot, but I just like it. The police, my dear boy, is the most incompetent thing in the world, and the government is the most feeble of all in matters concerning individuals. Neither the police nor the government can read hearts. That which might be reasonably asked of them is to search for the causes of an act. Now, the government and the police are eminently unfitted for this task. They lack, essentia- they lack essentially that personal interest which reveals all to him who has need of knowing all. So look, this contains... Almost in the Anna Karenina style, although it's a very short, it's only 200 pages in total. Just these these little pieces about government, mm. about you know, about politics, about police, about judiciary. Uh, it's a very yeah. politicizing, opinionated book. Okay. Okay. And it's not always strictly strictly relevant to the plot, um, but there, there's some of that. Mm. Um, so basically, but what does happens? It hold a, does it hold the candle to old old uh, pair Gorio? <laughs> well, you you tell me because the the main character basically is a chap. You know that in the in this society, right? All these women are out having affairs and things. And he sees one woman. And he says she's the only one who's not having an affair on her husband. And I therefore I love her and I want her to have an affair with me. So he chooses the hardest one to get. You know, and you feel bad for the husband. Um, I'm I, I, I'm very amused because I don't think Bowser had much of a of a love life until right at the end of his life, where he married and then died a year later. So I'm just amused at at his, his observations yeah, as a yeah. woman and society. But he thinks women are very devilish. I mean, there's literally a bit here. Our customs so readily teach us deception. That's that's his view of women. You know, they they are deceptive. Um, but to summarize this in a in a thirty second thing, basically. Here's what happens in the book, okay? So this guy wants to get with this woman and we meet her husband and her husband's her husband's in love with her and he allows, you know, anything. He never wants to be suspicious of her. Um, but she starts going out a lot and 
you know, he says like, oh, look, I don't mind you going out. There's no problem. But you did say you weren't going out and then immediately went out. And there's all these things where she is deceiving him. And he says, look, I feel so bad. He's gaslighting himself. He's like, I, there must be a reason for this. Do you want to tell me the reason? Because like, I know you're a great person. I feel so bad. But like, I, you told me you weren't going out. And then literally 10 minutes later, you went out. And then you said you hadn't been out. You lied because like your hat had water on it. So the rain had been on it. He's like, but, but, you, but you kind of tricked me. You kind of tricked me. It, it must have been something else. Like maybe you had to get something from the shop. You know, these things happen all the time. Well, you know, and he, he's really trying to tell himself, like, my wife's really good. She wouldn't cheat on me. Um, but he's he's having this evidence presented to him. He's kind of like, oh, but there's got to be a reason for it. Like, my girl wouldn't do that, you know? And in the end, he feels right. so bad. And he brings the suspicion to his wife. And she says, I can't answer your questions. It's like, oh, no. Um, it turns out to be innocent, actually. And it's because oh, of this. Spoilers. Well, okay. I'm, I'm not going to say why, but there's this. Yeah. Well, okay. You're not it's... selling this one to me. This, this book doesn't sound necessarily like one that I'd like to read. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, this I mean it was fun like, and it, fast, but it wasn't anything special. Okay, okay. I like the I, I like the sound of the other one better. I mean, this sounds like just he's just it's just about a man, like just. But there's a nice bit, right? Sense. This is this is ridiculous. Um, I can't okay. cope with this. So at the end, okay. um, basically, basically, there's a couple, and one of them, she, the wife dies. Um, because I'm sorry, this is a spoiler, but I How have to say this. I have to say this, man. I have to say this. She dies because she caused her husband heartache by suspecting her even though she was innocent and she just dies for no from from the suspicion like she can't sorry with... say that say that again so she writes in her last letter like i've caused my husband to suspect me i can't live and she just dies of natural causes from the shock of it <laughs> <laughs> i that's that's uh this is too much like this. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I can't I can't cope with it. I know it's a spoiler, but I think it's worth it. It's ridiculous. Oh my god, yeah, it is worth it. I mean, because it, yeah, it, it, that, that's 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 like a parody of, of, of everything that Victorian literature kind of maybe does a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, in a silly way. It's not <laughs> great things, but it does. Uh, there's also these quotes where they say things like, you know, a report. To the, is to the present system of administration what limbo is to the Christian religion. So complaining about the bureaucracy of France and things. So there's, there's fun things like that in it as well. Um, and the second part, La Duchesse de, de Longueau, basically, again, to give it the one minute summary, basically this guy goes to a monastery and he sees a nun and he's been looking in every monastery. Okay, he's a soldier and he's been deliberately bringing his team to the, every monastery he can find all over Europe. And he meets this nun that is an old duchess that he used to be in love with. And he basically mm. says, I want, you know, I want you back. And um, they do a, a conversation and she pretends not to know him. And then when he starts kind of hitting on her, she says to the mother superior, I do know this man. And then the mother superior ends the interview, right? Most of this book then takes place in, in like prequel, which is mm. really, it's really bad because the entire story happens in like the first 50 pages and the other two, three quarters of it is just kind of prequel. Um, but it turns out the guy was a terrible guy. Like at one point he kidnapped her and everything and like got all these people, the, the 13, which is why it's actually the 13, to um, have her like tied up in a room. And then he's like, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to harm you, but I need to know that you love me and I want to possess you. And he's really con- like possessive and controlling and everything. And it's like, this is a bad guy. <laughs> this is not a good guy. Yeah, so, so basically this is a, a you know another ridiculous um book and in the beginning the guy presents himself that he was so in love with this woman and she left him and then it turns out like no he was really terrible and and horrible and controlling and literally kidnapped her at one point so i really not good stuff right so now dean 
now that you've gone through a coffee addicted Balzac, uh, you know, obviously drinking way too much and getting all hyperactive tones, uh, I have a book to recommend that I think I must have recommended every, uh, a lot of times. It is the one and only, the unique, the classic, the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've heard about this book often. But it's been a while. So. I've heard about this book often before. It's been a while because I didn't read it. Uh, I mean, I mentioned it last month uh, but I, a bit, but um, I thought I did. But at least le- last month I started meditating on it again. So again, for your listeners, I started meditating on a book of, medit- of, book of verses, over 80 verses um, uh, written by uh, Lao Tzu 2,500 years ago, a Chinese philosopher who wrote down his wisdom, wrote down what he thinks is the the path to take uh means the road in chinese so it's basically like the road of enlightenment and it's considered by some the wayne dyer calls it the wisest book ever written and the way you way he reads it he's a philosopher really like um on a philosopher is that you don't read it like a book you you read it one verse and then you generally meditate on it just let it just yeah, yeah, you take it. like one a day uh, or even a couple of so days. I just right? started again from exactly, yes. Well, no, I actually, well, uh, no, I, there are no rules, and that's the thing about the Tao Te Ching. It begins, the verse is, um, the Tao Te Ching is not the, the, the road, is not the road. It all, it's a kind of um, the idea of like opposites. It's like if you think you know what you're doing, it's not that's not the way either. If you think you understand this book, that's not, you don't understand. You don't really mm. understand the Tao Te Ching. You just try to live in the present moment. But my method, Wayne Dyer, for example, uh, did, I think, um, one verse, meditated on it for five days, I think. But I'm going a bit more than that. That's what I did last year. I did one every week. And this time, I'm going even slower. I did one a week. And then on the four, fourth verse, I've been meditating on it for over a month now. So literally, wow. this month, I've only meditated on one single verse and the fourth verse of the Tao Te Ching and because the next book I'm going to talk about will be very much linked to this verse so I'd like to read it out to you Okay. and I recommend Tao one. Taoism comes from Tao Te Ching but Taoism doesn't follow Lao Tzu's principles it's that plus a new constructed religion it's the Tao Te Ching is not a religion there's, mm-hmm. there's no like there are no gods or, or like or, or churches or institutions or anything like that it's just yeah. literally what he thinks will help people um so the Tao Te Ching here it is verse Sources. 4 the way is empty used but not used up deep yes ancestral to the 10,000 things blunting edge loosing bond Dimming light, the way is the dust of the way. Quiet, yes, and likely to endure. Whose child, born before the gods. Cool. So, this verse teaches the concept of, of opening up to the abundance of the universe. And it's basically saying that um, the universe is like a bottle without with both endings kind of open so while there's nothing there everything flows through it so again it's that idea of opposite it's both nothing and 
out of that nothing you can take as much as you want so there's like it's like endless so i'm really practicing this idea of abundance and that Wayne Dyer practices as well um you know, rather than thinking, rather than lack thinking, and I feel I have been uh, lack thinking and up to recently and struggling, to be honest, to open up to generosity, help even from others. And the more I meditate, that's why I stopped at verse four. I thought one, two, three, I, I kind of got that, but I just, I couldn't understand verse four. It really couldn't, couldn't get into me. And then only after med, about two weeks into it, there was a feeling and a main long um, and uh, all is different than the usual literature and stories and all that but I do generally think uh, that the Tao Te helped me and I stopped because it was a routine so I just didn't do the routine anymore and getting back to it for my mental health and spiritual health it has done me very well to just sit down and I know the verse by heart now I just feel like you can just do it anytime and just practice this this concept of abundance um, so I'm very focused on the first two lines of that verse, but also the idea of that, that the edge is blunt, uh, the road is dusty. Again, the idea of if you think you know something, if you think you think you know where your life is heading, but you should, you don't, and it's only very natural um, that you should, oh, I've got the Italian dogs here, excuse me, but the Tao Te Ching again, <laughs> that's the thing about the Tao Te Ching, there we go, the Tao Te Ching practices you practice with it that it doesn't flow always. It doesn't go the way you plan it. And you should just accept it. Because think about it. If you don't accept, if you want everything to be perfect, you're just going to be stressed out. So good example is the Italian dogs. Yeah. And in fact, in the, in the next verses, he, he mentions straw dogs, but I won't jump into that. So he actually mentions dogs, the dogs that bite at you and that you should dare to teach you lessons. But I'm jumping ahead now. Um, highly recommend it. What I do want to mention is that the Tao Te Ching is old Chinese and there have been many translations and they're all very beautiful because it is such a kind of poetic book and really it's never 100% clear, even I think for Chinese people, what exactly intended mm-hmm. to say. So my favorite, my favorite edition is still the one I recommended first by Ursula Le Guin, the author of The Earth Sea, uh, beautiful yeah, science yeah, fiction remember yes uh, i mean i think this was exactly maybe maybe exactly a year ago I was talking about this and uh, ursula Gwyn, earth sea I, I recommended it before is very taoist in the true sense of taoism it's it's very she she grew up her dad was an archaeologist and she grew up with uh, the Tao Te ching um and she actually in the in the 90s she decided to give her own translation or own interpretation you know uh of Tao Te Ching and her translation is the one that's for me most resonates 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 with me slightly more poetical than mm-hmm. the ones that are more scientifically translated obviously and her observations are very cute and obviously I recommend Wayne Dyer's commentary on the Tao Te Ching as well mentioned that before so just a book that I highly recommend to anyone and Moving on, Dean. I know we usually do. I know we usually do one book, one book each. But I do want to talk about the next book. Are, are you fine with that? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I did too. So go ahead. Yeah, I suppose you did. But the reason why I want to do immediately the next book is that yes, I haven't read a new book this month at all. I've been continuing Harry Muller's The Discovery of Heaven, and 
I still haven't finished it. So there you go. It is an amazing book I started talking about last month. Uh, up to part one I talked about. Uh, it is. It doesn't follow the Anna Karenina mm-hmm. method, I'm afraid, Dean. It's not a short story with a big um, agriculture manual or maybe dog uh, teeth cleaning instructions or, or something. You know, it's generally so, so deep uh, that I could we could just do the whole podcast in this book, even if even I haven't finished it yet. So for you listeners mm-hmm. out there, if you remember, Dean, uh, the discovery of heaven. It starts off with two angels talking about and one angel intervenes in humanity, that he's literally an intervener. It's, it's not, uh, Harry Mosh is kind of grew up half Jewish, half Christian and not read at the same time. And he's got a difficult, um, a difficult history. I think I mentioned it. Dutch author, born, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, but born a bit before the Second World War to an Austrian dad and to a Jewish um, to a Jewish mother of, of German roots, I think. A uh, bit in Holland, but his father, I'm afraid, um, kind of collaborated with the Nazis, and yes, uh, they divorced. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, his his wife was Jewish, and yeah, you got little Harry Mullers asking, "Why did my father, um, you know?" do that and not and Harry Mosh didn't he managed to defend his son and and his wife so it's actually thanks to him nevertheless that Harry Mosh and his mom survived the second world war but he didn't prevent this I find shocking it didn't prevent the parents of his ex-wife being sent to a concentration camp and executed um so that's something that really haunted Harry Mosh and he once famously said I am the second world war that's a pretty famous phrase of his meaning that he really grew up completely divided, like Jewish family and then traitor family. And it's because he usually won, right? But all of a sudden he's got this strange mix and he doesn't know who he even is. And he feels like a stranger. He says he feels like a stranger in Holland because he's not even properly Dutch, but he grew up Dutch. This is very important mm-hmm. because you've got the character of Max, who is one of the three main characters of Discovery of Heaven. So while two angels talk about a mission they accomplished, we are not clear about, they accomplished it. And the angel that intervenes is talking to your angel that doesn't intervene. Um, and it's very, if, when you, when you, almost at the end where I am, it becomes very unusual. You actually do, someone discovers heaven that you never expect where it is. Uh, could, could you guess where heaven is according to Harry Mush? I, I don't have a clue. But that's, the whole, that's what I love about this book. Every single page, you expect it to turn this way, and it turns another way you didn't expect. It's got the best twists ever I've ever read in any book. Uh, and I love where heaven is, I have to say, and how heaven was discovered and what happened to that. This a person discovers heaven, and then the angels intervene, and that person is annihilated. I mean, completely... Um, the angels actually destroy this person wow. because it's a secret. But the way it's done is actually, that's a spoiler, but you can't really guess who does it or how it's done. But mm, it's a minor spoiler, but I think that might make you want to read it. And that is one of the best scenes ever in, in the book, I find. So, but nevertheless, it starts off in the 60s. Uh, the angel has been intervening for a long time. Um, 
with Max's uh, parents. So again, you've got this character, Max, and grandparents. So he's intervened. He caused World War I. He actually made World War I happen just so Max's parents would... Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, to get the it, parents to meet. Yeah. Crazy. It's a crazy book, really morally, very kind of, you think like, okay, this is going to be... These are not the usual kind of Christian benevolent angels, obviously. Uh, they're just doing this. It's all about, I find it's all about predestination. It's more like, it's more Calvinist and Catholic. It's all about, there are mm. predestined, but they do have liberty and it always is philosophical. It's, it's always a philosophical discussion of free will determinism. That's a big thing in the book. Uh, they intervene. They, 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 the thing is, the discussions the angels have, and they have one discussion at the end of each part, four parts, and uh, they have one like a discussion about it's literally divided into four parts and have a discussion about what just happened. But the um, the devil uh, devil exists, Satan exists, and um, he gave Francis Bacon uh, ideas that would cause people to believe themselves to be gods. Gods. That's what Francis Bacon did. If you think about it. Francis Bacon. He really brought science out there and he kind of created this notion of everyone should work together as scientists to become the new gods, the new enlightened Renaissance gods. And this is actually in the book, A Concept from the Devil, to try to, you know, God. And God is there. God is not in the book so far. God is just this, this, he's out, he's beyond that. No one understands why God wants this to happen, what happens in the book, not even the angels like engineers but they don't know the big man um sorry follow me well i'm vaguely following but there's a lot going on i'm afraid that's the thing that is only the first that's like only the first pages and like one and like another two pages in the middle of the book so let me get back to it uh it starts off with max and ono Max and Ono are they're the same age, born the same year, and they happen to meet, of course, through divine intervention. It's always divine intervention happening. Um, yeah. We've we're, we are we are we've got an interesting perspective. We're beyond, we know more than the earthly characters, but we don't know more than the angel that intervenes because there are several categories. So Max and Ono are best friends. All goes well. Uh, you see a lot of history from the sixties hearing and it's it's it seems like an historical novel from the 60s there's not when they meet ada who's a cello player max immediately found, found, uh, max and her fall in love and they start a relationship and it's all very beautiful nothing special but max one day insults ada un- unawares he doesn't realize it and she decides that she can't be with him this seems very simplistic but i'm just doing a summary there, there are other reasons why he, in the end, she feels that he is too distant from her because he doesn't talk about his own past. Because Max is Harry Mullish, essentially. His, his dad, one step further, his dad actually didn't intervene and his Jewish mother died. So it's kind of like, it's very, it's Harry Mullish, just one step um, even crazier. And sh- so Ada leaves him and she becomes friends with Arnold. And Yes, and they fall in love. So now, when Max, uh, when Max realizes this, he is, um, well, he's sad, but at the same time, he just kind of accepts it. So now you've got a, a change of, of relationship. She's with Ono. Um, so, 
this is all very important because what happens then is that they go to Cuba for an adventure. Uh, Max says, let's just go for an adventure. Ada's got a concert there. She's been invited by, uh, you know, the Fidel Castro Cuba. So they can really, see. again, it feels like you're just getting a historical novel about several events in the 60s. And that's all good, but it's not like super philosophical necessarily. So what happens mm-hmm. then is that they're there and um, um, some things happen which lead that Ono kind of, even though he's not a playboy and he's very, he's very, um, well, he doesn't not a playboy have, like our mutual friend, eh? Indeed, not, not like him indeed. But he has an affair with a certain Maria. And on the same day, Ada goes with Max and some other kind of revolutionary fellows they go to a nice romantic beach and just, you know, they spend some time there. And uh, romance happens between Ada and Max. And they, yes, they end up making love in the sea uh, while, um, while, while a red moon appears in the horizon. Uh, but that is the end of part one. And the angel immediately uh, talks to Spark of Light and says, Spark of Light, be born. I am going to create you now, and you're going to be the son of these two people. Now, this is a spoiler, but the thing is, I, I do want to, your listeners to read it. I'm not going to give too much more. I didn't realize that Anna was going to become pregnant by her ex-boyfriend. So this is the, this is right. the, and, but, and immediately starts part two. So you immediately were uh, that there is a, there's a baby being born because the angel, the angel talks to a light and says, you are the savior. So literally there is a savior. And I think at the beginning it's insinuated there is a savior by Max maybe, or maybe I know, but it's not. It's actually the kids that had to be done. And this is crazy. The angel says the kid had to be born by Max and Ada, but only when Max is not in a relation with Ada because would have otherwise used protection. It's it, it's pretty mad, actually, the, the twists. And Ada does, in the next part, what she does is she sleeps with Ono on the same night to make sure she has a feeling that she's, she has like a big maternal feeling that she's immediately pregnant. And she sleeps with Ono on the same night to make sure that if she does become pregnant and she's sure of it, that she won't know or Ono won't know or Max won't know who the father really is. And um, that's the beginning of part two. Sorry, okay. following it. No, not at all. <laughs> right, okay, well... Um, uh, There's a lot that going on, and that's, um, that's fine, that's fine. I'll, I'll listen um, back, and I'll follow it when I, when I listen back. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to slow down, listeners. Uh, I'm very excited about this book. Um, this is a very difficult book to sum, summarize. No, don't worry. Look, take, take it at your pace. I'm, uh, we'll be grand. Okay, well, it's good that I didn't finish the book then. Part two is very different stuff. Part two is really much a thriller. Strange enough, just by tone, not, not by content. Part one is just like, it's almost Woodhouse in some points, but still philosophical, of course, uh, and historical. Um, but part two doesn't bother too much about the events that are happening around. Part two is literally just about Max freaking out that his best friend is Arno and that he feels that, he also kind of feels that he made her pregnant, not Arno. They both got that intuition, I suppose. And um, uh, by the way, uh, Max was forced, Angel, to make love with Ada. There, there was a truly divine intervention again happening. He 
he lost, he thinks he lost control, but actually the angel gave him basically a kind of a, kind of a, um, outside worldly power to make love to her. I know this sounds mad, but just keep up with me here. Keep up. I'm uh, doing my best. <laughs> so, uh, part two is just about that. So I'm not, I'm not going to get to spoilers. It's all about that, but something happens and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop with the twist, basically. But something, uh, again, bizarre happens. The angels intervene and they want to make sure that Ada cannot talk anymore. That Ada becomes essentially, uh, be- turns into a, into a vegetative, vegetable state. There is an accident and she's alive, but she's in a coma. And okay. that's a dilemma because the baby is still in the growing, but she is between death and, 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 and life. And the theme of uh, euthanasia appears a lot. And um, there's a crazy mad twist which I'm not, I'm not, I really want to say this, but I'm, this is just too, it's too good of a twist. Uh, Max falls in love with, um, with a certain, with a certain person in that's very close to Ada. Can you guess at all what the, what the twist is? This is something completely unexpected. He, he falls in love <laughs> no. and he, and he's, and I'm not sure if I should say it. Should I, should I say what? No, what you're the one who always um, tells me not to give spoilers, so I don't. I don't know what's happening here. No, I think you shouldn't say. Well, let me just say this: um, the, he falls in love with someone that he shouldn't be falling in love with at all. That would be technically, I, I think, it's almost at least in the sixties would have been illegal to be honest. But um, he falls in love with someone. He has to keep it secret, but he realizes only with this person. Can he truly uh, uh, live and maybe become a father to the baby who doesn't know that he is father and Ono thinks is the father? And I'm going to stop with the story because I know it's getting very confusing. But what I do want to mention is that part three is about the next generation. I'm not going to mention what the, the kid is a boy or girl, but it becomes even crazier. And it becomes very, the part does become very, I would say, almost like, a, almost like a Jesus Christ story, I suppose. And the, this certain person has has visions, and um, the end of the world is just about to appear, but in some way it will be saved. What can I say um, about the book? I don't want to say anything more. Why you should read this is simply because I have never thought about a book so often. And I don't think I'm doing such a great job doing the telling the story because the tell the story would take as long as reading the book. But all I can say is if you're interested in euthanasia and you're interested in about the concept of good versus uh, evil and why evil exists, why does it exist? Was evil necessary? Um, if, you, if you think about free will determinism, Dude, this is all different about... topics that we studied back in uh, philosophy class together. I know, well, I know. And, this is a, and this is a novel. If you're interested in, in, in the existence of incest and why it's, um, why, why it's even there or the, or the existence of, of, for example, euthanasia, I, I never thought so much about what it means to be in a, in a chromatic state. So literally, what do you do with a person who's alive, who's also possibly in pain, 
and who's a, who's a mother and she's not even aware that it's there is a child and she's just alive but she's not really her soul has departed and the kid is just um yeah it becomes very it is there's a lot of tragedy in it as well mm-hmm. and just yeah jesus what's what's happening here you know uh, okay, um, okay. Uh, and what I, what I love about the the angels, though, is that they they do bring historical figures, and that the historical figures somehow talked with with the devil, like Francis Bacon, and they do mention actually uh, Doctor Faustus a lot, uh, Christopher right. Marlowe. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I do love that. And every everything related to the devil in literature, they mention a lot. Uh, he's definitely a character, but so far he's un- he has unappeared, but he's an essential character. So. I get the feeling the whole time while there's divine intervention, there is, um, well, yes, Faustian devilish intervention as well. So I'm wondering what's going to happen at the end. So that's interesting. As well as that, our mutual friend, Alex, to be specific, might like this. <laughs> Listen to this, Alex. Max is an astronomer while Ono is a linguist. And it does talk a lot about the philosophy of linguistics, philosophy of astronomy, and ultimately uh, politics actually and how and you know who's a figure they talk about um there's a lot said about hitler and they talk they, it, it becomes very bizarre the philosophy uh, but they talk about power and um why hitler came to why hitler came to power the theory is that hitler came to power because of his physical attributes not because of his uh, psych attributes mm-hmm. that so it just it just talks about like the attraction negative attraction positive but like t- attraction people feel to one another even if it's even if it's pure you know like yeah yeah like hitler okay. not good so okay. um what i do what i do want to say it's it's the story is amazing there are so many twists and so many good things um it's it's so not crazy whole, but good. i can't even begin to quote the book because the whole single book is one single book wow so you've now finished what two three parts I finished the first, second, third, and now on the fourth. So I won't get too long into it at, uh, next month, but it, I think there'll still be a lot to be said. So I will finish up mm-hmm. next month. I hope. Okay. It's um, almost as long as feeling. my Balzac saga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I, I've talked enough about it. I hope you listeners get a feeling for um, for it, even though I do admit I'm having difficulties even summarizing the story because I feel like there's so much to it. Um, yeah, I think my favorite part of the book is, and this might seem very controversial, but I mentioned Max has a, has a relationship with someone he, according to society, shouldn't be having a relationship. Yeah, but quite logically, it's not it's not incest, not incest, but it's just it's it's um, it just wouldn't be um, by society. It's not it would be inappropriate. It's not a younger person, nothing like that. It's a much older person, in fact. But I find that part of the book really, really touched me because while they formed the most unusual relationship, he and this other woman, he shouldn't really be having relationship. Again, nonsense, nothing like that. Just, um, I can't say. But the love they feel there and they kind of do a role play. They kind of like, they pretend during the day that they don't have an intimate relationship. And then at night they have the most amazing lovemaking. And he's never made love like this to anyone before. And and she is a, a, a certain woman who appears who never expresses emotions that she cracks twice in the book only. 
And it, it's, uh, you, when you get to that point, you understand why this is uh, a vital second person, a second female person. But I think that passage, that, that love, and there's a scene in it where he's just walking on the beach and making a, a vital decision, you know, that changes his life. Very Kierkegaard's um, philosophical moments of just deciding he's going to be with this person and do this for the for his son, even though his son doesn't know that he's his father. It, that's a that's a truly moving, beautiful, humane moment in the most in the most kind of unconventional way that you know society would be shocked. I love this book. That's what I want to say. I recommend. I gather, it. I gather that you love it. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's all I've got to say. I, I loved it. And you know, like the intellectual kind of discussions, you know, I do love talking about, you know, I do oh, love yeah. talking about authors and all that. Well, Max and Honor have that all the time. All the time, Max and Honor are talking about that. So you're getting plenty of intellectual stimuli, but also the, the angels is truly like the stuff they talk about is, oh, I did not know about this. So Harry Muller's must have done a crazy, unusual amount of research in the most unusual yeah. places. Um, they talk okay. about some people that I've never heard of even, but then I think like, wow, this is, I didn't know that certain person had that view at that point. And um, they mention Nietzsche a lot. They mention Nietzsche as a as bastard. He tried to kill the, the, the boss. And, you know, it, it is funny at, at, at moments okay. as well. Cool. Shall <laughs> so, we move on? Let's move on, yes. And I just wanted to mention the Tao Te Ching uh, reflects on the book as well. I think he was influenced by it. So yeah, that's why I wanted to I can see why you, you, know, you did it like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, so I just yeah. wanted to mention, guys, while we're here, uh, between books, get over to patreon.com slash booksboys. You can get all of our other shows. So... In addition to the stuff that you're hearing, the week, the monthly books, boys, you actually get it a day early if you're on the Patreon. You can also get a t-shirt. You can recommend books yeah. for us to read. Lots of fun things. You can talk to us. But you can do that on Instagram anyway. But one of the main things is you get all of our bonus nice. shows. So, for example, since we put out our last episode of Books, Boys, here is what's come out in one month on our Patreon. So after Books, Boys, episode 20. Playboys episode 14, Twelfth Night, with myself and Playboy Alex. Then Poetry Pals 4, The Poems of Lorca, with Mireya. Then I released mm, some games, play. guys. It's a good play. I released some games, guys. Um, I, you can watch me struggling to, to play the games that the kids like. Then Playboys Extra 3, Blood Wedding, uh, more <laughs> Lorca. And with Maria, and then interview yeah. from the Vault 14, The Whispering Tree, where I interviewed a rock uh, a duo, a musical duo, uh, nine years ago. So, like, that's all in one month, and it's pretty mm-hmm. consistent like that throughout the, you know, each month. So, you're usually getting something every week on there for like three dollars. And don't forget, dude. And they're usually not too short either. So, um, they're usually they usually are between half an hour and three quarters of an hour, right? I mean, they, there's a lot of content there. A lot. Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not as long as like books, boys, but they're like as long as maybe one part or or almost as long, you know. So it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of content, you know. So it's it's worth um, it's exactly. worth signing up. So for. I mean, I mean, we've got so much content. This could be something for you guys. I mean, you could probably for one whole month listen to. Yeah, you could definitely listen for actually maybe two months even. Uh, yeah, just there's like a hundred episodes or more on of these there, episodes. You know? 
And PJ, did you know that if you kind Playboy's Extra... Oh, so he wants extra, three months of data contents. Yeah, but if you kind Renaissance Renaissance and Playboy's Extra, Playboy's has caught up with Books Boys <laughs> in, term, in terms of the amount of episodes. Playboy's has now caught up with Books Boys, so... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, plus we've got oh, Caper yeah, Captains, Film Fellows, and, you know, uh, all sorts on there. We also did Dr. Faustus, so we just mentioned it. That's why we mentioned it. We did. Uh, one of my favorite plays I think we reviewed, personally. By Chris Romero. Yeah, it. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on there, and there's some more stuff coming soon. Um, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.